0: Our good friends at Johnny-O welcome you to this episode. Now, the iconic Johnny-O clothing brand logo of the surfer and his longboard first caught my eye several years ago. But it's the signature Johnny-O style where West Coast meets East Coast prep that truly changed the game for me and I've been wearing Johnny-O ever since. And now our listeners can use promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order at johnny-o.com. That's 20% off the regular price. Price at johnny Use the promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome. to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted Built Built. and inspired by the role of sports in their lives. Here's your host, host, Richmond Weaver. This is episode 130. Thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. No matter what your age, we all have experienced some type of setbacks in our lives. But Kayla Burns Hefner believes that sometimes those perceived setbacks just might be a change to a better pathway but one thing that has remained constant is her love of sports and the impactful stories created through sports she would be one of the first students to graduate through the newly formed sports communication program at clemson university in 2017 where she served as a student reporter for the clemson insider and was a sports illustrated clemson correspondent for campus rush Before moving to Bristol, Connecticut to work at the worldwide leader in sports, ESPN, as a production assistant. And now she can be found in Charlotte, North Carolina with ESPN as a content associate. Here's episode 130 with Kayla Burns Hefner. Kayla, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate you letting me steal some of your time coming down here to Greenville in the studio. Thank
1: you for having me. The studio looks (laughs) awesome. I'm so excited to be here. I know you you. guys have been working on a lot of things for a really long time, so it's really cool to see it all come together and to be here.
0: It is. It's slowly coming together, so we're excited about it. And, again, I'm excited to have you be a guest here and share some of your journey and just why sports Mm -hmm. mean so much to you and just the life lessons that you can learn from sports. Because I think a lot of us that have played sports, have been in sports, whatever, take a lot from sports that we don't necessarily think about on a daily basis. It's just inherently or subconsciously in part of our DNA gets, you know, built in there and we're molded by it and so i I want to be able to explore some of that even though you're a lot younger than me (laughs) right but you still have been touched by sports and Mm -hmm. so speaking of your youth and you you know it's only been a few years since you've graduated from clemson and obviously as another clemson grad here i always love talking to another tiger (laughs) but how much do you miss the college life
1: I, I miss it here and there. Um, it's interesting for me because I, I do work in college sports, so I'm mm-hmm. around college sports all the time. So I I don't really feel like I've totally left it because I still am so involved in it and um, kind of getting to be around people that are uh, just like, in it all the time um so that I think has kind of put like this different perspective on me is like I'm like well I'm still surrounded by college sports it's still part of my everyday life but I'm not in it anymore um and I will say the first year after college was really hard I've been out for almost three years now um so what was so
0: tough about that first year
1: it's just well. First, I moved. I, w- I obviously went to Clemson, and then I moved straight from Clemson to Connecticut. And, yeah, that's a tough. Um, move it was in far. <laughs> it was really far, and I didn't know a lot of people there. Uh, there weren't really many people from Clemson where I was at, so I, I didn't have that immediate like support group of like, oh, we just left, and I'm seeing all my friends in DC because a lot of them moved to DC afterwards, and we're kind of still living in that uh, post-college life, still kind of having that like camaraderie of being. together. Together all the time and I just didn't have that in that way so that was pretty tough for me and I didn't get to go back and visit you know all my friends were going back and visiting for Clemson games and having reunions and that kind of stuff and I that first year out I just I didn't have the opportunity to do that um, but then recently I've since I've moved to Charlotte I've been so much closer and now I, I kind of feel still very much so connected to Clemson so it's actually kind of been a reverse like it was harder at first and now it's, and it's that's a little
0: bit easier yeah because you know, charlotte seems like a young person's city
1: oh absolutely it,
0: it seems like it's just mm-hmm. a melting pot yeah. of a lot of the schools around uh, in the south that mm-hmm. a lot of people gravitate and go to charlotte
1: yeah there's definitely a lot of people from clemson a lot of people that i was really close with in school actually ended up moving their college roommate of mine moved to charlotte recently so we still have that whole group of people where if i want to catch a random clemson basketball or game something like that i can and just go and, and hang out with them and hang out with my Clemson people. But there's people from literally all over. The funny thing about Charlotte is that people always talk about Charlotte and they're like, well, if you're from Charlotte, you're rare because everybody comes from a different place, which I think is really interesting. Um, and it's a really cool opportunity to be able to get to know so many young people and their paths and you know what they've done in life. And it's a really, really up and coming city with a lot of fun things to do, uh, whether you like to be active and walk and jog on the light rail that they have or um, if you're more into the social scene and the drinking scene they've got tons of breweries and all that kind of stuff too so it's really a really great Did you take
0: part in all of it from the walking the breweries all of it right?
1: (laughs) Yeah um, I've actually really uh, recently I've gotten really into Orange Theory so um, they have an Orange Theory studio right by my apartment
0: I see now now you're talking about health and fitness too much (laughs) We don't have to talk about health and fitness we can go back to sports but that's a big reason of
1: why I still stay involved with it is because i needed that kind of uh organized thing to keep me you know still staying healthy and involved and that's what orange theory has been kind of like for me since i haven't been involved in that for quite some time now
0: <laughs> how much are you traveling though all the time yeah so do you Absolutely even, do you even i guess take advantage of charlotte
1: um, in the football season, no, <laughs> not not so much. I think I actually spent more days on the road than I did in my own home, um, which it was a really cool experience. So I wouldn't I wouldn't take that for anything. Like I yeah, because you can do it that. now
0: because you're young. Yes, and exactly. There's nothing really exactly. to tie you down, so yeah. to speak.
1: Nothing. I have no dogs. Um, that would probably be really difficult if I had a dog and I was having to you know board it or something. I've I've got a roommate. Uh, she travels a lot too, and that's really all I've got. So I'm, I'm pretty free to go wherever I want, which has been really awesome to be able to travel and have that opportunity to kind of like go wherever and really explore the world. So that's been a really cool opportunity. Now things have kind of slowed down a little bit. I'm going to start traveling again, but, um, and I've been able to kind of go back to my, my Charlotte life and, and I love it.
0: What are some of the most favorite places you've been able to visit so far that maybe surprised you as well?
1: related to work or related to yeah related just life to work just
0: maybe even just life in general just that I guess that you were able to travel to through your work yeah that you probably wouldn't have traveled to if you didn't have to for work
1: yeah well recently uh, I got to go out to the festival in Arizona um, and that was a really really cool experience um, I went out to the national championship and I don't think if it were, I mean, obviously Clemson was in there, so I would have wanted to be there, but cost-wise, I don't think I could have really um, had afford to go into that game if it weren't for um, being there for work. So uh, having that opportunity to be down there in New Orleans, the culture there is something that I've always really loved. Um, and thankfully, I've had the opportunity to go down there a couple of times, um, some through work and some through just for fun. And it's just like an incredible place that um, maybe I wouldn't have not necessarily got to experience fully otherwise.
0: Why did you choose Clemson?
1: Wow. So uh, I actually really, really, really tried hard not to go to Clemson, which is the funniest thing because now I can't picture my college career anywhere else. Um, My brother went to Clemson. He's four years older than me. And my brother and I had a great relationship growing up. We were actually the two siblings that everybody would always say, like, how do you guys never fight? You're just that right age where, you know, we're four years apart. So mm. just that right age where we're kind of in different spots in our That's lives right. at all times. but." uh I'm just young enough to be the annoying little sister. <laughs> but in my brother's eyes, I was just young enough to be someone who needed to be protected at all times. And I thought that that was kind of really the foundation of our relationship. Like it's the only times that we were ever in school together were elementary school when I was like a first grader and he was a fifth grader. Um, and then college, we both ended up overlapping when he did a graduate program at Clemson. So in every single time, it's always kind of been like, he's been looking after me. Um, so we never really had that Whole like head to head like fight each other kind of thing. It was a very great re- relationship. So that wasn't really the factor in why I didn't want to go. Like I didn't want to be like oh, I can't be at school yeah, with my older brother. Him, right? But I wanted to be my own person. I wanted mm-hmm. to have my own path and do my own thing and like you know separate myself from from my brother in my family's eyes. Is like you know we have different lives. We're not the, just the same person, but i had been going to Clemson football games for 4 years. You think about it, at the time I get to my freshman year of high school, I'm going to see Maryland was still in the ACC at the time, and I was going to see Clemson play at Maryland and destroy and I'm like this is it. This is what I want. And I'm going down to visit my brother for, you know, all of his different events and I just the family atmosphere there is like something I know you grasp it, but you really can't truly explain until it's hard you get down there. It's hard to explain
0: until you experience and it firsthand. I just
1: I loved it. I loved it so much, um, but I really, really, really was like, nope, I'm going to do my own thing. I knew from a very young age that I wanted to go into journalism. So I was looking at all of these schools with great journalism programs. Um, I was looking at Florida, Georgia, um, like you name it, big school. I had applied to it. And I really thought I was going to go to the University of Georgia. And I loved it, everything about them. I thought their program was incredible. Uh, my best friend from high school was going down there. We were going to go down there the, together. And uh, I even put the bumper sticker of Georgia on my car, which. I'll be I'll be fair. It wasn't that big of a commitment because it's the same logo as my high school, so,
0: <laughs> so, so it was just a it. mild That's commitment, right. <laughs> right? So,
1: but everybody thought they're like, "Oh, Kayla's going to go to Georgia. They have a great journalism program, um, and then she loves football, so this makes perfect sense." You know, go to the SEC and you know watch SEC sports. But I just there was something about Clemson that I just thought that I couldn't let go of, and it actually came down to the communications program. So I was touring the university's uh, communications buildings with one of the heads of the communications department at the university, Joe Mazur, and his wife at the time was in the hospital, like getting ready to have their kid. And he was like, you know, keeps grabbing his phone and he's like, just like pretending nothing's happening. But I know that his wife's in the hospital, like about to have a child and I'm like, you can go. Like, you can literally <laughs> exactly. leave and be with her. Like, I'm not going to be upset. I can get a meeting from like any random student to show me around these buildings. It's okay. But he wanted to sit me down. He took me into his office and showed me all these plans for what they had for building the sports communication program at Clemson. And he was like, You would get to be a part of the yeah, startup. It wasn't of this. built yet. At the they time, they just had communications. Mm-hmm. At not the time, I couldn't have even been a sports communication applicant i had to just be a communication studies applicant and then i would go in wait until they've officially opened up the major and then i could apply to switch into that sports communication major um so i knew i was like i i would have a couple of steps to be in it but he was showing me all these plans that they had for it um, and just like the fact that he took that time to not only do that but do that while his wife was like in labor (laughs) i was like this is the most special place like this is a place where i can go where they're going to look after me i'm going to be one of few instead of one of the many um Mm -hmm. which is at the other schools i would have been one of you know hundreds of students going into the same exact field um and that the competition aspect of that didn't scare me i I knew i would succeed you weren't afraid
0: of that you you
1: i wasn't afraid of that but I know myself and I know like if I can be in a small group, I can become a leader in a small group, not just like a prominent member of a large group. So I uh, really. What about the
0: aspect of thinking that you could also be involved in something that's ground floor and be a part of building it.
1: Yeah, I don't think at the time, because I was so young, I really grasped that idea. But I did know that like, that did play a huge factor in uh, my decision making and deciding to go to Clemson. And at that time, when I was kind of looking at going to college was the time where I really started to become more of a goal oriented person because before that, like, yes, I like, I had athletic goals I wanted to accomplish and I had things in my life that I needed to, um, to do to order and feel I, I succeeded. But it wasn't until when I was like really lucky into my future where I was like, okay, here's a step, here's the next step. Here's the next step. And then I'm going to get to what I want to do ultimately, because at that time I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So I was just trying to find the best path that would take me there. And uh, with Clemson, I was like, this is an opportunity to like, yeah, maybe it doesn't end up being as great as they plan it in those first couple of years, or maybe it ends up being something where I can, you know, turn it into the best experience for me, and that's that's exactly what ended up happening. I graduated with five students in the sports communication department. <laughs> that's um, a small yeah. New every single one of them had worked with every single one of them, um, and it was incredible. I ended up being an ambassador for the college. I gave tours for the sports communication um, students that were coming in to like kind of help grow the program and grow the interest in the program. Um, Um, so i've seen it evolve so much i actually uh, was an ambassador to the dean of the college too for uh, the sports communication side of things too. So it ended up being a really great opportunity. How proud of
0: you are you now seeing?
1: Oh, extremely. How
0: the department has grown.
1: Extremely. And I look at even just like the companies that I worked with when I was there and how many people that they've had come through and how much success that those people have had in just a short amount of time. And I'm like, I've only been out of school for three years. And just to see how much, the program has grown tremendously and how uh, the students who have come through the program have grown and have had more opportunities, increased roles in, you know, athletics and being able to do so much more than uh, I saw when I was there. It's been awesome. It's mm-hmm. I'm really, really happy to see that people are having bigger and better opportunities, you know, with that program growing.
0: Now, you mentioned you knew exactly what you wanted to do, and mm-hmm. also you had said something about Early on, you knew you wanted to be in journalism. Yeah. So what was that? What was that, that you knew exactly what you wanted to do when you were at Clemson?
1: So I had an experience when I was in high school that kind of really shaped the whole rest of my entire life. You know, growing up, I was always a social person. I wouldn't say I was the most outgoing person. I would say that I I wanted to entertain people, but I wasn't necessarily like the most outgoing person in the classroom at any point. So
0: you weren't the Um, class clown. No,
1: definitely not. I was super (laughs) serious about my schoolwork. I definitely was not a class clown. Um, But I, I did always put on, like, little random plays in my basement. Like, I would do a show for my family. And they'd be like, what is our daughter doing? It's showtime. All right, we'll get our tickets. Get we're going popcorn. to the basement. Go. Kayla's going to do a show. So I was just doing what random stuff like that. Oh, my God, horrible. We don't need to get into that. No, we that. do.
0: We do. I need to know. You
1: remember, oh, you probably wouldn't know this. Maybe, maybe your oh, kids you're would know this. Oh, now you're dating me because I'm too old. That's
0: right. <laughs>
1: well, there was like, those Kids Bop CD albums that would come out that were like outlandish. And they just had a bunch of different random songs on them.
0: I don't remember those. No? Okay.
1: Well, then I was young. But okay. the, I would have uh, a CD, and I would put in the CD and, like, choreograph different routines. They could be, like, acting routines. They could be, like, dance routines. I was a dancer growing up, so most of it was dance-related uh, and just, like, stupid stuff. And I would just, like, put on this routine routine. For my family, and yeah, then not,
0: it might be stupid that you, <laughs> as you look at it now, but back then, you didn't oh yeah, think it I was, was like you this is it. how I
1: spent my time. So I was always wanting to be some form of a type of entertainer, and I knew that you know I was really good in school, but I, I wasn't super passionate about wanting to pursue engineering. Like my brother's a biomedical engineer. I did not want to pursue that. I was good at science and I had great grades, but it's just not something that I really wanted to see, you know, my career. And so I always knew that I wanted to be something on the communications, entertainment, like centric kind of side of things. But it wasn't until I had this experience in high school that I like really solidified exactly what I wanted to do. And I told you I was a dancer. So I had been dancing since the time I was three years old. Um, i've done probably every other sport you could possibly think of in that time too i tried to get away from dancing as many times as i wanted but i loved dancing it was my number one yeah
0: so, so why were you trying to get away from it though if you loved it so much
1: i i want, i was a big tomboy and i mm-hmm. was doing so i was doing ballet and i was also like a tomboy wanting to be just like my brother so i had this like identity crisis when i was little and i was like <laughs> i want to play sports i don't want to be in a to and be a ballerina but I am and I'm good at it and I love it but I also want to play sports but I was like I wanted to do both so for a really long time I did both um but it wasn't until right before my sophomore year of high school where I solidified that I was only going to do dance and at that point I had been doing uh Dancing competitively, competitively for my high school, for my high school's dance team for a year, and then also doing travel softball at the same time. Um, and so I had narrowed it down to those two. But at, at the time, I was like, "All right, I have to focus on one. This is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus on dance. I'm gonna try to take this as far as I can go." So I focused on dance, and it was my sophomore year. Really excited on it to like finally have like just be the dancer. Yeah, this is
0: now your opportunity. You just dial <laughs> in. just go. Just
1: mm-hmm, focus everything focus on, on my training and dancing. Mm-hmm. And it was pep rally of my sophomore year. Uh, so super early on in, in the year and we were doing our little early routine for the whole school get everybody excited for football season to start. And we have a kick routine in the middle of our routine and something I'd done for forever. Like my whole freshman year I competed, I did football games where we had a kick line and we ended our kick lines with like the flying splits where you like jump up, hit the splits and land on the ground. So yeah that's, which
0: that's amazing in <laughs> itself, so keep going
1: so I had done that my whole freshman year, like really grew a lot as a dancer. I went from we had levels of being a dancer on our high school dance team, and so I went as a conditional member, which meant I had to try out for every single event that we ever done to prove myself that I was good enough to be competing with the other girls to uh, a full time member by my sophomore year, which was astronomical of a jump to be able to make that much of an improvement in one year um and so from that, I was stoked. I was so excited. I get out there in front of my whole class and we hit our kick routine and I had been kind of having some like random lingering pain in my hamstring and I I didn't really think about it. You know, I was young. I wasn't thinking about any long-term implications and I hit the flying split and I legitimately popped my hamstring when I hit the ground.
0: Right at that moment.
1: In front of my whole school. Yep. Right at that moment. And I knew, I knew that that was the moment that I I tore my hamstring. And I...
0: Was there an audible... I mean, you could hear it? Oh, I,
1: I felt it. No, you could feel it feel pop. It. You know, when you, you uh, pull a hamstring, I don't know if you ever have, but like... I pull the a tendons. hamstring like
0: every other week it seems because I'm, <laughs> I'm stiff as a two by four. Well,
1: the tendons, like they like curl up, you know? So you feel that pop and like it's, you know... Well, I knew that something had happened, but I still had half the routine left to do. So I did the half the routine. Like I got up off the floor. I guess adrenaline was pumping. I didn't. I I wasn't yeah, like. because you knew people were watching you as oh, well. Oh yeah, people right? were watching you. It was my whole up. class. I had no choice. I was like, <laughs> everybody I've ever known in my whole life is just watching me. I could just lie here on the floor. And this is your shining
0: moment right now. Right.
1: So. That happens, and then I have to get pulled off the floor to go. We had a second performance in probably, like, the next 20 minutes or so. I go over to my coach. I'm like, Coach, I can't walk. And she was like, well, you have to figure it out because you have to dance. And I was like, I I can't. And she was like, at this time, I... these are dance terms but my kicks were pretty high like I was one of the girls who could kick my leg up as high as anybody on the team and she looks at me and she goes well kick a little lower and hit jazz split like fake it it'll be fine we need you so it's like okay I'm like what am I gonna say I'm like I can't say no I can't just screw up my entire team's routine like everything's based off formations like everybody's expecting me to be there so I do that overcompensating for my right hamstring, I pull my left one. I don't know if at that time I, like, tore it because I didn't feel the same – pop feeling that I felt in my right hamstring, but I definitely pulled it. um, And then I like really had to be carried off the floor. So that kind of started this whole process of like, I had never really been injured before. I'd broken a bone in my foot, like nothing. It was no big deal. But I was like, okay, well, what do I do now?
0: So now both left and right hamstring.
1: I was in so much pain, but... I, I don't know. Maybe this is just like the way that I was built or whatever. I have a really weird high t- high pain tolerance. So like even when I mentioned that I, I fractured my foot, like I was playing basketball with a fractured foot and went into the doctor and was like, hey, I think I broke my foot, but I've been like running around on it. And she was like, no, you didn't. Gets the x-ray back. Oh, you did break your foot. Okay, cool. I'll put you in a hey, cast. You're a
0: tomboy. So just rub some dirt on and yeah, keep fine. going, right? I'm playing
1: with the boys. I'm good. <laughs> um, so like, you know, I was like, Oh, maybe I'm fine. Like I'm in a lot of pain, but I'm walking around, like, but something just wasn't right. so I, I would go to the doctors, mostly like sports um, medicine specific doctors. And over the span of from my sophomore year to my senior year, I saw ten different doctors. Um it took me until so this would have happened in like August, September of my sophomore year and it took me until my junior year in like February before I was correctly diagnosed with two torn hamstrings. Um, And after that point, it was the eighth doctor that I had seen that finally diagnosed that I had two torn hamstrings. So I was going through like cortisone treatments, physical therapy every single week, like twice a week sometimes. I couldn't, I was being told I could dance because Honestly, my MRIs were so inflamed that they couldn't tell that there was any tears. They could just see that there was inflammation. So they're thinking like it's growing pains, like, you know, whatever. She's fine. She can keep dancing. Just pump her up with some cortisone. She'll be okay. So I do this for like a year and a half or so, and I'm kind of still dancing, but I'm in a lot of pain. I'm like having to take like as many Motrin as you're literally allowed to take in a day to like get through uh, some of my dance classes and my dance routines. And it was just like the hardest time of my whole life because it's like, no, you don't have a cast. You don't have like a wheelchair or any physical proof that you're injured. Like for your hamstrings, there's nothing really that they can do. Like they can put some kinesio tape on you and you can look like, okay, well, she's got some tape on her. But like it's not even a brace that you can use. So I had a really hard time because I was so hurt. But people didn't really realize that I was in so much pain. And could you
0: communicate that to people? Were you trying to tell people? Yeah,
1: I would try to tell my coach. I would try to tell my dance teachers. And it was just a really trying time for me because I was like, I can't do this. I know doctors are saying X, Y, Z and that I can, but I'm in so much pain. I can't. And like I would just have to be there for my team every single day. So regardless of whether or not I was feeling up to dancing that day, I'd still be there, um, still sit there and watch my team go through their routines and basically compete a whole season without me. And I, I really wanted to be there and I physically looked like I could be there, but I just was in so much pain that I couldn't really like communicate to people that I really just could not be there, that I wasn't injured. But I didn't have that direct statement that was like, her hamstrings are torn. I just had, oh, she's got some inflammation. We don't really know what's going on um, until I reached that point where I hit my eighth doctor and thing finally th- had some Well, the funny thing evidence. is, yeah, they had ordered a new MRI. They're like, okay, well, we've been going off this one MRI for, like, years. So let's order a new MRI. I guess it was higher tech or something. So um, I remember walking, distinctly walking through the hallway of the doctor's office. And it was in Baltimore, and it was, like, the facility where the surgeons for the Baltimore Ravens, like, worked there. Uh, the guy that I was going to see has, like, worked with... The Lakers. He worked with the Lakers in the, their 2009 championship. Like, literally, the most talented doctors we could have found were there. So I was like, okay, I'm walking through the hallway. I see like signed pictures of Ravens players being like, thank you for fixing me and I can play and it's great. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm just a little high school dancer. Like, what are they gonna think? And I walk into the room. And the doctor looks at me and he's looking at my MRI and he looks back at me like three different times and he goes, How did you walk in my door? I'm like, I don't know, it's been walking for years. <laughs> and he's yeah, like,
0: Yeah, this is what I'm used I to. I'm like, I've
1: been, I've, I've just been, you know, walking around living my life. And he's like, Your hamstrings are torn entirely off of your bone on both legs. <laughs> he's like, You should not be able to walk. And I had just, it just had been my normal for so long. um, And I just had people telling me that I was, okay enough for so long that I had nobody that really like was like this isn't okay until that point point. and so finally I was like okay well now what do I do now that I have concrete evidence yeah, that this, is, this is it so he told me he was like all right well we could do surgery on you but if we do surgery then you probably won't be the dancer that you were again because, you know, flexibility is a huge thing with dancers. When you're messing with, you know, cutting tendons and moving them and uh, reattaching them, like you're really messing with all that aspect. So he's like, you might want to get some more consultations. So I did did some more consultations, which leads to doctor number 10. Um, And this doctor is like, worked with Olympians. Like, it's insane. I was like, how did I end up here? <laughs> how did I end up here? And this is all in Baltimore. Well, this one was now in Georgetown. Oh, so then was. I moved okay. to D.C. Like, this guy was literally the head uh, physician for the Washington Redskins. Red, not the Redskins. He was the uh, head physician for the Washington uh, Wizards at the time. So I was like, literally, what am I doing mm-hmm. here? Like, am I okay? Uh, and he suggested this uh, process. It's a little gross if I like super get into it, but the way it's called platelet-rich plasma treatment. If you don't want, know what that means, it basically means oh, I do. It PRP. Take, yeah, PRP. Yeah. So I'm
0: in medical device no, okay, world. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. I so know all of that. Yes. At the
1: time when I was going through it, it I wouldn't, experimental is not the right word, but they hadn't really used it on, you know, dancers or people who weren't Professional athletes, so they
0: were relatively investigational.
1: Yeah, so they had been doing, and he's like, "We've been doing this on athletes. It really helps people, you know, get from week one to week two if they've got some minor tears." He's like, "I've honestly, I've never really seen it on a dancer before, but it what could it hurt? Like, if this doesn't work, you can go to surgery, whatever." So I do the the treatment, and that's in July of 2012 and by january of 2013 i'm full on competing again so it worked 100% and
0: and you feel normal
1: oh i'm 100% fine yeah
0: no pain You're, yeah, you you can good. do everything that mm-hmm. you had been doing before yeah
1: 100% full recovery uh, i did for a little while i had cuz i had so much scar tissue built up um i did have some pain like I would be driving uh, back from Clemson still. Like the drive from Clemson to Maryland's like 10 hours. Oh, and I would be
0: sitting that in long. so
1: much pain. But that was just the scar tissue. They assured me they're like, That'll, you'll get over that. I'm honest. I'm totally fine now. And I work out all the time. I still play sports recreationally. Um, I dance here and there in college still. Um, and I'm totally fine.
0: How timid are you, though, at times thinking you know, at any moment it can – happen again. I was for a while. You don't think about it anymore. Well,
1: the reason that I I didn't end up pursuing dancing into college was because of that. I was so scared. I was actually in Clemson when they were having uh, the dance tryouts for the Rally Cats team. And I'd always wanted to be a Rally Cat since my brother went to Clemson. I wanted that. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be a professional dancer. I wanted to be dancing for now. I know how little money they make, but I wanted to be (laughs) be dancing for, you know, NBA teams. And that's, that was the career I saw for myself for so long. And this is why I'm like telling you this whole story is that was my path. And I fought so hard to get, be able to get back to there. So I was like, like, I have to do this, but I was so scared when I was in Clemson. I was like, I can't do this because what if I tear it and I'm back to square one? Like I spent 2 years of my life like going to 10 different doctors. I'm like, I can't do this again. So I was like, well, honestly, when I was in high school, I had found this love cuz like I needed to get out of that rut somehow. You know, I'm sitting there having doctors tell me that I can never dance again, whatever. I need surgery. And I remember I hit a really, really low point. This might sound like ridiculous to people, you know, who've hit other really low points (laughs) in their life. But to me at the time, this was a really low point. I was watching Friday Night Lights, the movie, not the TV show, Mm. um, in my basement alone. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but the the star Booby Boobie Miles is told he can never play football again. And he freaks out and yells at all the doctors. That literally happened to me.
0: <laughs> that was you with the doctors
1: <laughs> when they told me I could never dance again, and I lost it. And I was like, I'm this. I just felt for him so you can't much. Crush my moment.
0: dreams, basically, yeah. is what you're and telling then, him. And
1: that's when I started to kind of realize, like, yes, I was a dancer, and yes, it's so different from other sports, um, but the the feeling and the passion is still there. And at the end of the day, you're still people trying to pursue a dream. And I felt so strongly connected to that like fictional character that I knew was a real person in real life all the time, you know, everywhere. And you're sitting there and you're watching ESPN and you're you're seeing these guys in the NFL that are completely getting torn up. And I think I mentioned to you when we were chatting recently, I was I was uh, really heavily watching RG3's career and how he was kind of going through that pressure if he had that lingering knee issue. And then in, back in January of 2013, ironically, when I was cleared, he completely destroyed his knee. And I felt so hard for him. And I wasn't even a Redskins fan at the time. I didn't even care. I had no reason to like pay attention to him whatsoever, except for like you know he was in the area and he was such a prominent guy at the time. And I felt so connected to that story, even though it was so different from mine, but still had some of those same feelings that I was like, you can tell somebody a story or you can tell somebody's story in a way to people that it can completely make them feel something and feel connected to what they're going through, even if it's entirely different. Like you can experience a loss and then also express that to somebody else and they can feel something from that and it's not their loss. So I was like, that's so incredible. And it's like, I'd always been watching sports my entire life. I'd been watching Sports Center was on my TV every single freaking day growing up. I had the Sports Illustrated, like, kid issue of the <laughs> magazine coming to my house every single day. But it wasn't until I had felt a connection uh, through what I had been through to what I was seeing people go through uh, on my TV screen that I was like, I can tell those stories. I can sit down with people. Hear their story, connect with them, and tell them in a way, like with journalism and integrity that makes people feel something and can help them get out of whatever they're going through in life. Because I started watching stories of like, you know, athletes going through intense regimens of going through physical therapy and stuff. And I was like in physical therapy with a lot of really athletic people that were, you know, trying to get back to Doing their sport. And I was, you know, trying to take on that same mindset and do that, even though it was dance and people see dance differently. But I was like, this is going to be like, I'm going to fully take this on as if like I'm an athlete. This is it. And so when I realized that I was like, I that's all I want to do. And so then I got really lucky my senior year. I was competing again. I was super happy that I had had this experience that I had overcame something and found what I was really passionate about. And I had this uh, mentor. We did a, this mentorship program at our school. So for my entire like last class period, I would go and do a mentorship and I was doing a mentorship with a Comcast TV station. So then I learned how to shoot, produce, edit, interview people, um, do all of the like basic skill set. And I was like, yep this will be my career and I'll do this for sports and I'll tell people's stories and I'll impact people. And hopefully I'll be able to tell people's stories in a way that can help other people.
0: And so, you just, and you knew that yeah. pretty quickly.
1: I knew that immediately. Yeah. And that's when I was like, this is this is my path. And so since the time that I guess it's a little bit confusing on like the exact time frame of when I figured that out, I don't really remember. But in the time frame from my sophomore year to my senior year of high school, that's when I figured it out. And I've been pursuing that ever since. But you had something growing
0: in you that this is something that I Mm -hmm. would feel passionate about was the same type of passion in terms of. What you were feeling in terms of being able to tell these stories that you had as far as what your dream wanted to be as a dancer?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because at that point, I pretty much knew my dance career was over. And, like, that was something that I was going through for, you know, when whenever – even if you don't have an injury that takes you out of a sport, you have something, some event, like – you finish your senior season or whatever you have some event that takes you out of sport you could be a high school senior you could be a college senior or you could be you know a freshman and all of a sudden a life event happens and you have to take yourself out of sport um that was my event I knew I was like I know I can get back to where I am but at that point I knew like I wasn't going to be a professional dancer I wasn't going to uh I I given up basically my sports dreams i wasn't going to go back and be a <laughs> professional athlete um so at that point i knew I was like okay well you can't do nothing with your life and i had been so goal oriented and so driven to get through what i my hamstring injuries that i that's when i was like i i need to be goal oriented and pursue yeah, and my else. dream and my new dream was to be in sports and tell people stories. Uh, So I basically made that uh, a priority when I was deciding what college I wanted to go to and then chose Clemson. Mm -hmm. And then since my – I didn't start off immediately my freshman year like I wanted to. I really wanted to start off as soon as I got there, but I just didn't have the connections to make those opportunities happen immediately once I got there. So I started the the summer after my freshman year um, working towards that, and then I've been working towards it ever since.
0: How do you feel – When people might make the comment that you mentioned, oh, dancers, they're not athletes. Oh, I hate
1: that. Do you know what you have to do (laughs) to be a dancer? Oh, my gosh. I practice every single day after school for three hours a day, and there's no off-season in dance. And then you have the summer off. And people will be like, oh, yeah, well, then you're not doing anything. No, you've got camps. And then to be a good dancer, you have to be in studio training because if you're not, then you're losing your skill set over a span of three months. So I was doing camps. I was doing skills training. I had a full workout regimen that I had to compete like checklists off from my coach every single summer. So I was doing that, Just doing our workouts and then go back right into the season starts as soon as school starts and you're doing three hours of practice every single day And then you do football games, you dance at the football games. So you're at school until the football game, then you dance and then you go home. And then Saturdays, even we would have like conditioning days. So then we would come in on Saturday mornings and it wouldn't be a full practice, but we would still be conditioning. And then we would do that for the whole season and then competition season would start. And so then competition season starts and then you do that every single day. And then all Saturday for like probably 10 hours, you're doing competition dance so then you literally never get a time off. Um, and it's definitely a different skill set, right? You know, it's, dancers are definitely not the strongest people in the world. You look at them next to a football player, and like me standing next to Derrick Henry, I'm obviously going to be <laughs> yay big. But like we had to do our routines. Like we would do our palm routines. We had to do our routines with weights in our hands to train and like condition. So it was a different level of of hard and um, and different level of emotional agony that you have to go through How for that too. How competitive is it? Extremely competitive. But there is different levels to it. See, like, you know, I did studio dance and I did competition dance. Studio dance, I mean, you can compete against the girls, that you, maybe you're both trying to become professional ballerinas or something and you're competing against one another mentally, but not physically. But I did competition dance in which you're literally competing against other teams for the whole day. So, it's it's pretty competitive.
0: I would say so. We got to
1: the point my my junior year, it was my junior year where we we got a team disqualified because they like went and tried to say that we took choreography or something and so we were just like, well, they're being bad sports and then they got them disqualified. So like <laughs> literally watching bring it on like that competitive level of Just whatever it takes.
0: And there's also an aspect. I mean, there's a team as well, right? So it's not just you as a dancer. I mean, you're part of a team. So you've got to also function as a team. And that's a whole Mm -hmm. nother skill set that you have to learn. If one
1: person is off at all in the whole routine, say you're even like in dance, you go by eight counts. So say you're even like one tenth of an eight count behind anybody else. You can tell in the routine. And you'll be deducted points just because that one person was a little bit slow in one certain situation. Um, If your skills aren't right, they'll be able to point out because it's all about like being uniform. So when you're watching a dance routine and you're seeing everybody's turning and one person just doesn't have their skills right that day, you can easily tell and then you're deducted points. So it's like everybody has to be perfect for the collective group to do well. Um, and that's something that it was it was a really cool feeling for me, because I would always been a teammate my entire life. And like, I didn't want to do something like I did also studio dance for a very long time. So that's very almost individual because you're in classes, but you're working on yourself the whole time. But I wanted to be on a team because I had been my whole life with sports. Um, and so being a part of that dance team was really that for me. And like, we spent all of our time together. I'm so close with a lot of the girls, two of them actually live in Charlotte now, and I still see them all the time. So it was a huge team effort and something like you learn those skills and then you take them with you for the whole rest of your life. And in that time frame where I had my hamstrings torn, like, yeah, I had a really hard time because I had a lot of teammates that didn't fully understand why yeah, did they I doubt wasn't. doubt you? Oh, all the that time. Question: You're yeah. not
0: hurt. Why aren't you yeah. helping this team out?
1: All the people who I weren't necessarily as close with definitely um, did question me a lot. My coaches questioned me all the time because they had access to my medical records because I would bring them, and they'd be like, "Oh, you're you're okay." I'm like. I, it, you I know understand. my body. Something's like, not yeah. right. <laughs> um, but I would still be there because I was, I was a teammate. I would still be there every single practice. And because I was there for my team through the whole time, even though people sometimes were like, is she really hurt? We don't really know. Like, you know, those questions came up by my junior year. I was elected co-captain. So, even though I wasn't even able to dance for my entire sophomore year, to show that I was still there and being there for my team was a skill set that it really taught me a lot about, you know, being there for other people. Um, and even the amount of worth that having emotional support for other people, um, and just being there, just having your presence there can have on somebody. And they ended up electing me co captain when I wasn't even dancing. <laughs> so.
0: It says a lot about you. So that was sure.
1: That was a really good learning opportunity for me to just be like, wow, you can still impact people if like in different ways, even if it's not the way that you imagined it going.
0: What did you learn about yourself then going through that two or three year type of journey?
1: Yeah, it was really hard Um, at the time. Obviously, I've had life trials that are far more significant than that since that moment. But at the time, that was one of the hardest things I'd gone through. I hadn't really experienced um, loss. Like I, I was fortunate enough to not have any significant deaths in my family or anything like that. So I didn't really know how to process when things weren't going right for me. I was very fortunate growing up. um, And that was kind of the first thing where it just shook me off of my uh, usual path. And it really, really, really tried me because not only was I in pain, so that sucked. I was in pain every single day and I didn't know why. I I had trust issues because I was being told by different doctors things that didn't end up necessarily being true. And I kind of really had to learn to rely on myself Um, A lot, but then also on the support of other people. Like, my parents were so incredible throughout this entire process. Like, I was going through step by step. I'm like, what doctors did I go to? When? With my mom on the phone the other day, because I was like, I honestly, it was so much. And I tried to block out so much of that out of my memory because it was so hard for me. Um, And I looked at the list of doctors and how many visits I had and how many physical therapy appointments and I had. And now being an adult, I know how insurance works and what they don't cover. (laughs) Um, And I was just like, I can't believe that you guys, like, went through this with me for this amount of time and didn't make me feel bad about it. Like, they were so supportive to me the entire time. and.
0: That's unconditional love. Yeah.
1: It was – It now looking back, I'm like, I'm even more thankful to them because I'm like, one – Money. That's a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of driving, um, and a lot of emotional pain for them too, because like they knew I was in pain, but they didn't know how to help me because even the doctors didn't know how to help me. So um now I just like think about how much the support of other people like really got me through that. And then it also helps me find what I was truly passionate about too. So there's a lot of growth that happened um in that time frame. And I learned a lot about myself and decided basically the career path I wanted to go on yeah, at I mean, a very that changed, young age changed everything it for did
0: me. and so where it has led to now
1: yeah and now I feel like I can connect with people in such a different way because it's like I, you can hear stories about people like oh so and so is injured they've been injured for x amount of days whatever blah, blah blah this is the exact injury and people can speculate about what's going on but like then I sit there and I'm like well, there's so, so much complex information of like what's going on in their head because then they're dealing with pressure to like maybe perform still or not perform still or figuring out what they're going to do with their life or if it's really that serious or what information to tell versus what not information to tell. And so I just like having that understanding of like it's so complex, I think has made me better in the sense that like when I was telling stories in college, when I was writing at Clemson and injury stories would come up I would have a lot more questions than just, you know, the average person, because I was like, well, how is this impacting them mentally? Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. if a player comes back from an injury, what's their mental standpoint at that part? Are they scared? Um, So I just. I think it's a
0: big component of it.
1: Yeah. So um, I think it's really helped me, too, because I'm like, I just I just know more now because well, and you can
0: empathize with yeah, them and as i well. can empathize
1: and that's that's the biggest thing for me is like my favorite part about sitting down with somebody and like hearing their story is the listening part of it and like not like yeah they're gonna be talking and you have to like answer find your next question or whatever but to be able to listen to them what they're really telling you um and getting people to open up and trust you that's been a favorite aspect for me and that's like something that um, that keeps me going and makes me still want to do what I do.
0: Do you still have any trust issues?
1: With doctors? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, I joke about this sometimes, but, you know, what's that... Uh, I don't know the terminology for it, but where you tell yourself that you have like certain uh, diseases or injuries, I think hypochondria. Yeah,
0: hypochondriac.
1: Oh, I'm for sure a hypochondriac because I'm like, I'll just self-diagnose myself for now. Like I knew my <laughs> hamstring was torn. I'll just tell myself what's wrong with me, which is horrible. Don't let yourself ever do no. that. Or
0: you over-dramatize like, my... things yeah, like, oh, exactly. I-, I feel bad. Oh, well, I must have cancer.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's terrifying for me because it's like, I, I don't even have one experience with it i have like multiple experiences with it where i've gone in and doctors are like well you should be able to do this if you you know if you're feeling this way like you're probably fine i'm like okay do the test and then i'm not so Mm -hmm. i it's been something that i've really struggled with my poor parents they get so many phone calls like late at night of me being like i think that this is wrong (laughs) with me and like no one's gonna take me seriously about it and then they just kind of talk me down from the ledge so i still struggle with that a little bit um just having that uh, sense of trust kind of taken away from me at such an early age definitely i'm yeah. still
0: well kudos to you though for continuing and i guess your parents as well to continue seeking out an answer rather yeah. than just being complacent and saying well yes it is what it is mm-hmm. you know that's all we can go with and hey, kayla you're just gonna have to deal with it you know rather yeah. of, in, instead of that you know you took the proactiveness to go out and continue to find answers because I see it a lot that people just when they go to a doctor, they just get glazed over and they just hear what the doctor says. Mm-hmm. And, OK, well, they just become sheep and they don't ask more questions. They don't try to explain more about their situation something's not right let's let's talk more about this mm-hmm. or go seek second opinions or third opinions so kudos for you to be able to do that
1: well it was really easy for me because i was following the advice that they were giving me and i was in so much pain like i <laughs> well what i what i failed to tell you though is that I told you that I had pulled my left one, but in my treatments, I tore my left one entirely off, just like my right one. So I was like, I was getting worse this whole time. And I can feel that. You can trust in yourself and feel yeah, that. you know what
0: your body is. You know
1: yeah, you know what you're feeling. So that, that was really like the telling part to me that was like, something is not right. We don't have the full amount of information because- I should be getting better, but I'm getting worse. Like, I, sometimes I couldn't even get up off the floor sometimes. And it was just confusing to me because I'd be able to, like, walk around all day and be a normal human. And then I'd be, like, sitting on the ground. I'd go to stand up and I'd fall right over. I'm like, why? <laughs> don't mean to laugh. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny to me now. I'm like, why? Yeah, exactly. Why is this happening to me? Um, and so that's why I kept pushing. And I had a lot of, like, just, like, every single doctor would be like, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And some completely went off the... Beaten path and with some weird diagnoses, but finally being able to get to people that obviously professional teams really trusted these people to make decisions for them, and they were the ones that ultimately ended up making. Oh,
0: just like everything in life, there's levels Mm -hmm. of with physicians, accountants, whatever. There's some that are better than others, yeah. You know, and so it's it's just part of that process of trying to find those. What is it though about sports that why you want to tell stories related with sports. Why this gravitational pull well, towards that?
1: First of all, I love, I've had a love for sports my entire life. So, uh, it wasn't really something that I imagined as a avenue for me. Um, I wasn't the best athlete, so I, I, When I was young, I wanted to be an Olympic athlete. That was never going to happen. But I like had those dreams really early on when you're young and you think you can do anything in the whole world, which you can, but if you work for it. And I wasn't really working for it as an athlete, but I played pretty much every single sport in the book. Softball was the sport that I ended up sticking with the most, but I loved football. I absolutely love football. I wanted to play football so badly, so badly. Because my dad, he played football in college. He played for a D3 school that no one would probably know about. Um, it was right by where he grew up. So he played football, and he was coaching my brother in football, and I was the little tomboy on the sidelines being like, here's your water, like running out on the field doing as much as I could because dad wouldn't let you me play. To be in. I wanted to be on the field so bad, and he wouldn't let me play. I'm like, well, it's an all-boys thing league. So that made sense. But, and they're five years older than me. So that also (laughs) made sense, but I wanted to play so bad. I would go to every single practice, mostly because I had to be, because both my parents were working uh, full time. So when my dad was coaching, that was, you know, me being watched over.
0: That was babysitting. That was babysitting. Yeah. (laughs) So I would be
1: out at the football field, like every, every single day with my brother playing, playing football. And I would be like literally racing the guys like so they'd be doing drills and i would like run out on the field and start racing them and it got to the point where like i was trying to run with the guys so much that my dad would be like all right if my daughter beats you you run again
0: so I, I would, it. and
1: I was so competitive and I didn't, in my young mind, I didn't think like these guys have shoulder pads on. They don't even want to be running right now. It is hot. And I'm like, I'm going to beat everybody. So I would run and I would run with them. And that was in my way of like participating on the team. So I was like, oh, I'm part of the team. I'm, I'm running with the guys. I'm doing drills, like little tiny drills. You know, the, the ones that my dad would be like, oh, she won't get hurt. We'll throw her in here. Because at the time I was really young. So I was trying to be involved as I could, because I really wanted to play, but I just knew that that was never going to happen. And so then I would be the water girl at all the games and running out on the field and trying to be as involved as I could in sports, because I just loved it so much. And I played soccer, basketball, softball. I was a diver for a really long time, too. Like, I tried everything. You
0: definitely did.
1: Um, And I really wanted to be a really good athlete. And it just wasn't in the cards for me, because I'd been focusing on dancing for so long. It just it didn't work out to do both. Even when I tried it with softball and dance, it just didn't work out uh, to be able to do both. And so finally ended up giving it up, but I loved it for so long. And I had this deep love for football and it came from my dad because I always, you know, wanted, I was a daddy's girl. I always wanted to be like my dad and I, I wanted to be involved in that as much as possible. And see, even when like, you know, I was little going to football games with my dad and like trying to like learn as much as I possibly could. And my young brain, like I wish now looking back at it, I wish that I had focused more on it or if I had like retained more information when I was younger, because I would love to have those memories of being like, oh, yes, I saw this person live play. But at the time, mm-hmm. I'm just enjoying it. I was just loving yeah, you're being You're in there. the moment. I didn't, yeah, I didn't mm-hmm. know um, how much it would come to mean to me in my life at some point. And so I always knew that I wanted to be involved in sports because it had been such a big part of my upbringing. And I think that sports is so interesting because like, regardless of whether or not you understand the sport, you probably have a connection to it. So it's universally... Uh, something that people can kind of get behind. And it's this outlet for people to, you know, escape what they're going through in their lives. And I think that it's a really unique opportunity to be able to kind of teach people lessons through sport, you know, when they're looking at sport as their outlet, like you can still teach them a life lesson, you know, that they might be able to take with them forever, um, maybe there's somebody who's not used to people who aren't like them and they see a story mm-hmm. and then they have more sympathy in the future. I think that's an awesome experience of being able to be like, look, sport can impact people in so many different ways. And the way that you just tell somebody's life story can open somebody else's eyes to so many different things.
0: Oh, it definitely can. And now you're having an opportunity of, from a career standpoint, mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. So how much joy does that give you?
1: I I love it. I mean, I, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, it's really time consuming. Uh, it's the interesting thing for me is I always tell my friends like, Oh, I'm traveling for work this week. And they're like, Oh my gosh, like you get to go to all these fun places. I'm like, yes, but it's also <laughs> a lot of work. I'm like working like 60 to 70 hour weeks. Sometimes it depends on like what's going on, but I work really hard. But then you look back on it and you're like, that was incredible like i feel like i felt really good about being able to bring like somebody's story to life on tv like those are my proudest moments is when i'm i work really hard on finding something that could be potentially impactful and making it come to life and i'm like i you know i might not see the direct impact that it causes on somebody but I know it was there. I know it yeah, was. Yeah, because you can
0: pick up on it because mm-hmm. you've been through a lot yeah. of things. And so you know what might be a story that could be impactful. Yeah,
1: there was this uh, really cool story I kind of got reminded of recently where there was this little boy who was uh, hanging around the Ole Miss baseball team for a really long time. And he he was sick and they kind of took him in and really took care of really took care of them, and they you could just see the impact that he had on their faces when they would talk about him and I was kind of reminded I was looking through some of my old stuff and that ended up he was at the um SEC baseball tournament to watch them play to watch Ole Miss play and we ended up being able to show a a story of all of the guys talking about their impact and like they're almost in tears talking about how much this kid means to them and then he was in the stands and so be able to like show that to people it's like okay athletes are athletes like they're incredible at what they do they're so talented they've made it to the pinnacle of their career even in college like some people can never make it to that level so they're still so incredible Uh to even be able to make it to that point but they're also people and they also impact people and volunteer in their communities and um do different things that you know, you don't necessarily think of. You think of them as athletes first and you're like, oh, well, his batting average day, mm, wasn't that great, whatever. But I'm like, but he could also have done something that day that could have changed somebody's life. Like he could have signed an autograph for somebody and, you know, maybe that... Made, made that kid the happiest person in the entire world and maybe he was going through something really hard you have no idea and um to be able to kind of like bring some of those things to life it's just that's that's a really cool thing for me
0: yeah and now from a perspective of where you're going do you like behind the scenes more or do you like being in front of the camera
1: my favorite thing is is just being able to sit down and talk to somebody um that can exist in multitude of different ways so you know like if i were to pursue the behind the more behind the scenes kind of route um you can still do that you know sit down with people if you go like the features route and you know tell their story sit down with them get to know all the different information but i it's not like i'm i've been in the spotlight my whole life and that sounds kind of like harsh but i (laughs) i um i used to compete in pageants so i've competed in pageants i've been on a stage for dance my whole life i'm not afraid of you've been in
0: the spotlight
1: right so i'm like it's not it's not something that scares me And i think a lot of people go into behind the scenes work because like yes they want to do things that are impactful just the same way that people who want to do stuff on in front of the camera do but maybe they just don't um, yeah, they don't want, like being they in don't, the spotlight. They don't want that or something. But it's, for me, I have the the nice luxury of I. It's not a fear of mine, um, so it's not something that holds me back. Um, but then also, I'm like, I know what I really want to do. At the end of the day, is just to be able to impact people and tell their stories. Yeah, so through stories. As long as I'm doing that, I know I will be happy.
0: Well, that's, that's a good that's, mindset to have because you're not chasing financial,
1: financial or fame. Yeah, exactly. You're you're goal.
0: chasing what you feel. That's in your heart the mm-hmm. passion of just being able to share these stories because I'm a firm believer that they can impact people as well. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is that I felt that even if just one person heard somebody else's story about, even like what you're talking about, how you're overcoming things in your life and how sports, you know played a role in that, Because I feel, again, like I mentioned, that sports is undervalued, what Mm -hmm. it can do. And so just being able to continue to get those stories out and also help others connect, just like you were able to connect with RG3. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You've never met him. I've never met
1: him. And I probably, I mean, maybe Maybe I will. will. I don't know. (laughs) But
0: (laughs) But to that point, I mean, now, I mean, you feel Mm -hmm. that you had a connection with him and could also empathize with him because you're going through something similar because somebody was getting his, you know, story out as well. What about from a words of wisdom standpoint where, you know, I'm big on mottos, phrases, quotes, or just life advice. And I know... You've got a lot of life to live, right? <laughs> but you also have experienced life and have been through some things. And I've also been around a lot of different people. What about for you? What's words of wisdom that has meant a lot to you?
1: So I'm a huge mantra person. I actually have like, Literally, I carry words on me. Oh, okay. So, yes, this um, <laughs> uh, fits right into yeah. you, your um, so style. I've been actually wearing these for quite some time. My mom gave me this one. It says she believed she could, so she did. Um, and that one, to me, it means – and it, it can be interchangeable with he, you know, too. But for me, I, that it was impactful to me. It's, if you can believe in yourself, you can get through anything. So, that's something that I've kind of tried to carry with me is, like, the power of the mind is incredible. Like, even if you're just going through a workout and you're telling yourself, no, you can keep running five five more minutes, you can keep running, like, then you will, because your body's going to react to what your mind does. And if you set a goal for yourself or set, um, you know, some expectations that you want for yourself, like, you will achieve them if you put in the work. So that's the one I keep on my wrist. And then I have another one, my brother gave it to me, and it says, bloom where you're planted, which kind of just means to me, like, wherever you are, impact people and, grow as much as you can because life's about, you know, the journey. Like I have a lot of goals for my destination, but something that I always keep trying to remind myself is, is that life is a journey. And we've all been obviously in the sports world impacted so greatly recently where we've realized, you know, life can be cut short at any time. You have no idea. Nobody knows what your path is going to look like except for, you know, God, if you're religious, like you have no other way of knowing what's gonna to happen to you in your life. Um, so enjoying the journey is, is a huge thing. Um, and I think it gets lost on people sometimes and it gets lost on myself too. So that's why I always try to wear it. And then I have two more that I really love. So big mantra person. I have on my walls in my room, I have one on my right of my, of my bed and one on my left on my bed. So I try to look at them as often as possible. The one on my right says, everything that you want in life is on the other side of fear. And that's something that it's extremely impactful to me because there's been a lot of things and I I use it as a reminder. I don't use it as like, yes, I believe that everything's great. (laughs) Um, I use it as a reminder to myself because I feel like I've held myself back a lot because of the fear of what may happen, Um, whether it's the fear of judgment from people or the fear of, in my case for dancing, the fear of what might happen. Um, But something that I think that is good to remember is that like, people can think about the what ifs negatively often, but if you think about the what ifs positively, then, you know, you kind of eliminate that sense of fear. And it's like, well, what if something great happens? So, and that's what I think like, okay, it kind of goes with my other one that I have on the left side that says opportunity favors the bold. And that's one that I've been trying to keep with myself a lot longer because obviously I've done enough things uh, in my career to be able to get to where I am. Um, and I've worked really hard to get to where I am. So I've had to make some bold decisions. Um, but it's a good reminder to always make sure that, you know, like if you want to pursue something and you want to be great, you have to be bold in that pursuit because other people are going to be bold in their pursuit. Um, and it's, It's those people who are going fearlessly and boldly who will make it.
0: Now, I thought... I was the one person in the world that loved words of wisdom <laughs> and mantras more than anybody until I just heard you.
1: I love <laughs> I think I met them. My match. I love them. I'll start uh, sending you some ones because <laughs> I, I find them, I on, love them on Instagram a lot because um, there's like a lot of really inspirational. I social media I think can be a blessing and a curse, um, of course. and especially in my age, I've seen a lot of negative impacts on myself too. But I've also seen a lot of positive impacts, and you know the way it can be used in sport too is really cool. Um, and has an incredible, um, incredible reach, um, for being able to impact people. But one thing I really love is that a lot of people have tried to create positivity on that platform by creating like inspirational, um, like posts and stuff. So I always like to save them and send them to people. So I'll start sending them to you. Please send them. (laughs)
0: Yes. I love those. Michaela, thank you so much for spending the time with me. I greatly appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I always love being on with you. So I appreciate you guys having me.
0: With many stories and experiences in life, there's usually some adversity, and as Kayla described, it was her own adversity that not only helped to find her path, but also helped her connect and even relate to so many others, which truly gives her a unique perspective to understand just how impactful personal stories can be, even if it's only impacting one other person. Now that finishes episode 130, and more of our conversations can be found on your preferred podcasting platform, and you can also watch some of our episodes by visiting our Rich Take on Sports YouTube channel, where you can easily subscribe. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us
1: on Twitter at Richtakesports. Thanks for listening.